Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Leaf Report is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. December 22nd, Luka Doncic coming to play the Raptors at Scotiabank Arena. Or December 23rd, Jake Gardner making his return to Toronto. The Game Time app is simple, it's quick, it's easy to navigate. You can find tickets for those games. All you have to do is download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. All right, James, you are on the road. How's the road? What's happening, man? Okay, so Vancouver was wonderful and lovely, and it was like a, an oasis in the middle of December. And then I got off the plane in Calgary, and it was like I was in the, the Arctic <laughs> tundra. I was in the Arctic tundra. So <laughs> I I love Western Canada. I'm from out here, so it's I, I love doing this trip. Um, but yeah, that's kind of 
that, that's been the experience so far. Vancouver, Vancouver was great. It, it's so nice to get back to uh, BC and see some people I know. And that rink is where, when I was a kid, we used to go to. We well, kid. I, when I was in like high school and college, we used to go to games there. So a little bit of nostalgia for me going to games there. Well, I can't remember the last time that that road trip, all three teams are like pretty good and pretty interesting. Do you like it? Yeah. It feels like it's been a long time where Vancouver is like a thing. Calgary is like pretty good. Edmonton is like surprisingly good. Um, and it like I saw you retweet. Uh, I think it was Jonathan Willis's story about an all Canadian division. It would be fun if like you got more of those matchups, especially now. Like all the Canadian teams are aside from Ottawa, which is what it is, are pretty competent. Like, it would be fun if you got to see more of those matchups, like Jets-Leafs, Oilers-Leafs, Flames-Leafs, you know what I mean? Like, it would just make, I don't know, maybe it would be less interesting over time. Maybe the novelty of it is what makes it fun. That was my story. I wrote that two years ago when I did the Western trip, and I remember going going to, I think Vancouver was the last game on the trip that year. And I remember having covered games in Calgary, Edmonton, and then Vancouver, and I was like, man, like, this should happen more than it does. And here's a way that it, I don't know if you read the story, but like, I I basically built a schedule that made sense with a Canadian division. And I think it'd be fantastic. I really do. Like, there's a, there's a natural rivalry there, like a, a geographical and political rivalry. It's kind of, it's kind of like a one-way rivalry. Like, I don't think Leafs fans really have a rivalry with the Canucks, but Canucks fans have a rivalry with, with the Leafs. So it's, you know, that building was like, that was, it was probably 50% Leafs fans. Like it was really, really loud. I don't know if you could see it on TV, but they were chanting like Freddie when Anderson made a save and they were, it was, I want to say it's the loudest I've seen Leafs fans in a visiting building, non Ottawa Buffalo division. Wow. That's what I would say. It was loud. It was really loud. Do you think that is? Like, do you think that's people who are just living in Vancouver who have, I don't know, like this pent up need to to kind of voice? And I'm sure, like, they deal with the anti Toronto thing in Vancouver a bunch. So it's probably nice to, like, your team's winning and you're, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be nice to kind of give her a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see it in Calgary, too. I mean, there's a lot of transplants from Ontario that live across Western Canada. And. And in fairness, when you go to a game in Toronto and, and, and the Canucks are there, the Flames, the Oilers, there's a lot of fans of those teams too. It's just not quite as overwhelming. Every time I've been to a Canucks at Toronto game, there's been tons and tons of Vancouver jerseys there. And there's a lot of people like me that are from BC that, that live in Toronto. So, you know, it's a if you move in Canada, you're moving usually from one big city to another. And there aren't that many big cities in Canada. So... You know, there's a lot of different people living in, in different places here. Okay, so after that game, uh, the Leafs win that game, you wrote about skill. And we'll get to that in a second. And, and Sheldon Keefe kind of emphasizing more of their skill players. Those guys are all playing more than they did under Mike Babcock. But I think it's interesting, like, how the last, like, week and a half has gone. It felt, after that, that Philadelphia game, it got tense, like, all of a sudden really quick. And then it's kind of gotten back on track they're six and three under Sheldon Keefe going into the game against Calgary people listening you may be hearing this after a win or a loss against the Flames who knows but it, it kind of feels like it's stabilized a little bit being on the road with them do you kind of feel that that sense too 
Yeah, I yeah, I mean, you beat St. Louis the way they did, and then, you know, I think they deserve to win the Vancouver game. I mean, obviously, the end of the game wasn't pretty, but yeah, like they're we we our podcast last week with Sean McIndoe was kind of doom and gloom because they had lost three games in a row and they really hadn't played very well, and it's like, uh oh, this feels like it could go in a bad direction here with with St. Louis coming and with the Western Canada teams coming, but um, now now. You know, we'll see. I mean, they, they it's it still could, right? Like they still could lose to Calgary and Edmonton, and it's still there still could be some some bad mojo coming for the Leafs. But you know, the team's confidence is coming along, and you know, the thing that you're seeing is is their their offensive game clicking into place against St. Louis and against Vancouver. And as long as they've got Anderson playing well and their scorers producing a lot of offense. They're going to be all right. Like they're going to they're going to win a lot of games, even if they don't get this def- their defensive game sorted out that well. Well, I I sort of coming out of that uh, St. Louis game, I was there. I felt like I underestimated um, not the difficulty, but that there's a lot that goes into a coaching change and all that changes with it, and that there should be some adjustment period. Like the reason I started to think that is I look back at the Blues last year when they first fired Mike Yo and, and Craig Berube took over and it wasn't like they turned around right away like they kind of stumbled around for a bit and that makes sense when you think about it like you have a, a new coach he wants you to do new things like you're talking about the offensive play he wants them to play differently offensively he wants them to do some different things defensively and I wonder how much adjustment that actually requires and whether we should have anticipated more of like a I don't know what you want to call it, like some sort of cushion where they're they're figuring shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean the tough thing is where they were in the standings, and like they didn't have yeah they didn't have a lot of time where they could afford to lose a bunch of games while they figure it out. And I mean, you know what the market's like and what the pressure's like, and like if they would have went on a run where they lost a whole bunch of games right after Sheldon Keefe was hired. It would have gotten really, really tough, and and you look at the standings, and then for them to get up to you know even to ninety five points and get in the wild card conversation, they were going to have to have a really, really good record. And the they're fortunate that they've gone six and three. Um, their schedule hasn't been that hard. I mean, they you know the the Detroit game, the two Buffalo games, and you look forward the rest of December, and their schedule's real favorable. So here's a chance here for the Leafs to continue to build confidence, continue to learn the system while not having to play St. Louis every night. Um, it, it just, it looks like the, the table set here for them to kind of emerge out of this transitionary period um, in a pretty good spot. You know, the second half of the season starts like mid-January, early January. They could potentially be in a really good spot by that point. And that's important, obviously, with the way the division is. The division link is just so close, and we're still kind of waiting on Tampa to take a step. It's like Buffalo, it's Montreal, it's Florida, it's it's Tampa is right there. Um, you wrote about this, some of the skill players after the game in Vancouver, uh, that Sheldon Keefe is, is using those guys more. Is that, I guess that's not surprising, but... He's really kind of like leaned into it. Um, like Mitch Marner played 22 and a half minutes, I believe, against the Canucks. John Tavares played 21 minutes. 
Frederick Goche is, is not playing anymore. It just seems like when he can get those guys an extra shift or two, power play is a big part of that. He's getting it. It makes sense. But is it at all surprising to you, or is this kind of what you expected when he took over? Well, even under Babcock, we were talking about that this year, about how, like, the skill guy, the minutes were up. And, like, I remember, weren't, weren't we, like, eight or ten games into the season and we were talking about how he was playing Matthews more and Tavares more? Yeah. And but it wasn't this much more. Up. No. That's what I'm uh, that Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that they were they were sort of going in this direction under Babcock, but this is, like, an even more extreme version of that. And, I mean, in the position they're in and with the way their roster is built – like they're gonna they're gonna live and die with those guys. So, you know, Babcock was playing the fourth line too much, and that's been a complaint about him going back a ways. I mean, you can't. There's no reason that Goche should be on the ice 10, 11, 11 minutes in a game where you're trailing, and you've got Matthews playing only nineteen. Like that, that's crazy. Come on. I get why he. Felt like it was not smart to overplay those guys, though. Just because of, like, the cumulative effect of the season? Yes. Like, we can't have it both ways. We can't say, Mike Babcock, you're playing Frederick Anderson too much. You're going to wear him down for the playoffs. And then say, Mike Babcock, you need to play Austin Matthews 21 minutes a night. Like, you can't. Come on, you, Jonas, I that's don't different, think... though. Like, is it? Like playing Why a goalie, is it different? Playing, playing a goalie 70 games in a season is different than playing a player like Austin Matthews 20 and a half minutes during the year. Yeah, because... but you, you, if you look at it, like McDavid, the difference between McDavid, say, who's playing a 20-something insane amount of minutes, and Matthews at the end of the year, it's like a few hundred minutes less. If you could have Matthews a few hundred minutes less, or you could have a few hundred minutes less wear on his body by the time the playoffs start, don't you take that? Like, why wouldn't you they do that? They got the playoffs, have... man. Well, that's where playoffs, it changes, so. right? That's where it changes. Well, and Babcock hadn't changed. Like he hadn't, he hadn't adjusted, you know, and and with more urgency and played those guys more and, like, it, it's different. Like a goaltender, like we know that performance is going to dip if you play them. You know, I mean, look at all the goalies that have had great years when they only start fifty or fifty-five games in a season. Like, and I don't know what the upper limit is of what you should play a forward in terms of ice time. I just That's know that question. it's not. I just know that it's not 19 minutes. So, if you look at okay. So if you look at Matthew season, he's at 19.55 a game. That's 22nd in the NHL among forwards. It's not like he hasn't been playing a lot of minutes. Like he's still he's still near the top. It's just uh, where's Tavares? Tavares is at 19.01. Part of that is the injury, uh, and Marner is just ahead of of Matthews, but. You know, Drysaddle's at 23 minutes. Connor McDavid's at 22 and a half. Jack Eichel's at almost 22. Uh, Shifley, Larkin, McKinnon, Ovechkin, Zibanejad, Kopitar, O'Reilly. Those guys are all around 21. Crosby, 20 and a half. I think you can, you can, you can bump Matthews and Tavares and Marner up a little bit now. You know, the, the 23 minutes that Marner got against Vancouver, I don't know that you can do that all season. Like, that's that's a lot. But I think what you need to do, Jonas, I was thinking about this watching the game, is you got to be situational about it. You know, if you need, if you're trailing by a goal the whole game, those guys should play a lot. Whereas if, if you're up by three goals, roll your lines, you know? 
Or if you're down by four goals and the game's over, roll your lines. Like, that's when you take the load off of your, your star players. And Sheldon keeps talking about that on this trip and that, you know, part of what's happened with the ice time balance is when a game like Detroit is out of hand, he's going to play his depth guys a lot more. And, I mean, that just that just makes logical sense. Well, you know what's like a really subtle difference is, so sometimes after a penalty kill, Mike Babcock liked to get guys on the ice who, who don't kill penalties. So often what would happen is he would throw his fourth line out there and the difference we're seeing under Sheldon Keefe is he's putting Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares out there. And that's like an extra shift that they don't get. So that's like that's like 45, 50 seconds right there. Like that can – you do that twice a game and that's the difference. Like it's not that much when you think about it. It's two shifts, one or two shifts a game that you're getting them that they weren't getting them before. And so when you say it like that, it doesn't sound like much. And yet with everything we know about or we're starting to learn about – like rest and all that sports science stuff, I think they got to be careful. And yet, like you said, they have to make the playoffs. And that was always Babcock's argument for playing Anderson or playing the shit out of Anderson is like, you need to make the playoffs. And and that's where I want to go next. So it's a good segue. But first, James, I have to ask you, when you get home from this trip, I'm going to guess that you're not going to feel like cooking. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted, jet lagged. Do you get jet lagged on like a a short flight from Western Canada? I guess not, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but the good news, so the good news is you can just use DoorDash. You can just get your food delivered to you. What do you What do you usually like to eat when you're having like a, a lazy day? Pizza. Pizza every time. That's, that's my go-to. Well, so DoorDash can help you with that. I have told you many times I am partial to burgers. I am partial to pizza too. Uh, you can find pizza, you can find burgers, you can find just about any kind of food you want. Uh, and right now, the good news for our listeners is you can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app, enter the promo code LEAF. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code LEAF. Don't forget, James, promo code LEAF for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. I'm partial, I think, to, to maybe going for like La Carnita, a little Mexican food, maybe some tacos, maybe a burger. Anyway, so just consider that when you get home. Um, so you mentioned Anderson. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday morning before the skate. So we don't know if he'll start in Calgary. I presume he will. How do you think they uh, balance? I kind of think Hutchinson might play, man. I, oh, I interesting. Okay, it... so tell me why. Well, because Sheldon Keefe's been talking – on this trip about how he'd like to get Hutchinson a game. And I think if they're going to give Hutchinson a game, that this one probably makes the most sense. And I I don't think I would do it. I don't, I, I mean, I don't like think I, I would talk, either. I think I'd just play Anderson. Like I talked about the momentum that they're getting and, and you look at what their schedule is going to be upcoming where they've got some really soft games next week and they don't play a lot next week. You know, they get back and they've only got, they get back on Saturday night from Edmonton. Um, it's a five o'clock Eastern start. They'll be back early. They play one game between that Saturday night and the next Friday. They play, and it's only at home against Buffalo on Tuesday. Like, and then you could give Hutchinson either the game in New York against the Rangers or the game against Detroit at home. And and then, then you've got New Jersey on the 27th. You can give him that game. Like, I think I would give Hutchinson two games at the end of December, but I wouldn't give him one on this trip 
And I don't... We'll see, but we'll see what happens. But there's been some talk that Hutchinson could potentially play tonight. I think I agree with you. I don't. I, I think what you're saying, starting him in some of those, some of those games against lighter opponents, I, I think you're so right. I just don't think you want to ruin this momentum, um, given where the team has been at, given how fragile things have been, and given how poorly he's played and how poorly they've played in front of him. It just doesn't seem like it's worth the risk. Now, by the time some people are listening to this. Michael Hutchinson may have played against Calgary. He may have shut out Calgary. He may have played great. It's it's still a really big concern for them how they're going to figure this whole thing out because they need to make the playoffs, and their backup goalie has not shown that he can help them get there. Um, it still feels like they have to make a trade, and yet we went through it before how difficult that is. Um, Anderson's playing really well. That's the other part of this. Um, like You almost don't want to stop playing him just because he is playing so well and you need to keep getting points like they can't they can't really punt a lot of games um and risk that that Hutchinson's going to play like he has you know yeah I don't know if you saw Elliot Friedman wrote yesterday about the backup goalie situation for the Leafs and he essentially said he doesn't think the Leafs like any of the options out there at backup goalie like Tristan Jari and Pittsburgh's not going to trade him given how well he's played and how Matt Murray is struggling and He's not sure. He's not sure if the Rangers are going to trade um, Georgiev. Um, well, they're not really sure what's happening long term with their goalies, and that basically, other than that, the Leafs aren't that crazy about what's there. Now, I mean, like, what could change that is you put Hutchinson in another game or two, and he plays poorly, and you know, then 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 you, there might be some more urgency. But you look at their schedule, and I think if they can get by and just give Hutchinson, like, say this Detroit game coming up next weekend and like the game against the devils the week after. And then you, he doesn't play again for a while. You know, maybe that's all right. I mean, they don't have like, they don't have any back to backs. I'm looking at January. Like they don't have any. Well, there's only like, three game. after, after this month. Yeah. And the next one isn't until February 7th and 8th. Like, so the only thing is, is if you only play Anderson in games that aren't back to backs, he's gonna end up. What is he? What's he gonna? He's gonna end up with like seventy starts, right? Like yeah, yeah, and that's like that's not what you want. But like, like you said, you have to get in. Yeah, but I but, don't know. But, 70, but the other side of that starts, is yeah, the other side is you get in and he's dead. Like it's and, and he's your most important <laughs> player. So like, what's you got to kind of find some sort of trade-off. And, and that was kind of always the, the thing you and I went back and forth about with the backups we looked at. It was always like, eh, like, is that guy that much better than, than Hutchinson? He's probably a little bit better. Is he a lot better? What's he going to cost? How do we fit him? Like, it, it's it's an imperfect thing. And yet, I would feel, if I were them, very unwary about anything happening to Anderson. Like, I would be very nervous not just the back-to-backs. Like, you just want a little more security. Like, you want what the Bruins have with Yarrow Halak. You want what a lot of these teams now have, where you have, like, a, a he's not even a backup. He's, like, a 1B. And now Anderson is not that because he's better. But you just like someone like Curtis McElhaney, who, well, even Curtis McElhaney <laughs> has his very limitations. It's funny, like, he's become, like, this amazing goalie. Um, but... It's shocking. Yeah, I don't know what Curtis you do. McElhaney a year and a half later, like when he was claimed off waivers, I never imagined that it would become this thing where, I mean, you're right. Like 
everyone know it. Like if Anderson goes down for a month or something, like their season's probably over. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's the same for a lot of teams, just not those teams that have some security. Um, I do want to get to a couple other things before we wrap. We don't have a ton of time today. Um, what percentage chance would you give Barry and Riley for lasting the year? Um, I think it's probably higher than people might think. And the reason I do think that is because they don't have a whole bunch of options. <laughs> they don't, they don't have, like, if you think, I'd like, if you think Cody CC is only a third pair guy, which I do, and I think he's looked much better in that role playing with Dermot, um, and not playing against other teams' top lines, what are your other options? What, what else can you do? Who else is going to play with Riley if not Barry? Well, the only other thing you could do... Well, you could do lots of things. You could play Dermot with him. You could play Muzzin with him. You could you could completely change the structure of the D. But if you want to keep Muzzin and Hall together, then I don't know what else you can really do. Like I don't think they're going to put left shot guys on the right side. I, I just I don't see it. Like, Dermot is a young player who hasn't played a lot, who's had, had some injuries. Like they're not going to put him on the right side with Riley unless there's, there's injuries or something. Um, you, you know, if there was an injury, would, do you think they would recall Sandine and put him into the top six? Or do you think they would just play Marincin? I guess it depends who it, who it was, right? Yeah. Like if it, if it's one of your top four, I think for sure you're bringing him up. If it's CC, maybe you just put Marincin in. I don't know. Maybe not. Like maybe it's changed under on with with Sheldon Keefe in charge. Maybe I don't know. They they asked me about that about the Riley Barry thing on Leafs lunch this week, and um, I, I was kind of like, well, like the like if you're gonna stick with your right shot D playing right D, and you don't want CC playing a lot of minutes, like this is what they got, and I I kind of like Riley Barry like. After it was pretty clear early on that, that Riley CC wasn't going to work, this is what made the most sense. Unless you want to put Riley with Hall, and then that's kind of like your offense first pairing. But then... Then you go back to Muzz and Barry, which didn't work. My problem with this D is that, like I just don't like playing any of these guys against other teams' top lines, and like that's that's problematic. Like You need a pair that you can trust. You need... You know, you need someone that you can, if you're playing the Penguins, that you want to put out there against Crosby. And on this team, I don't know who that is. Well, and the interesting thing is, if we do, we still don't know if like Muzzin Hall is actually going to work. Like it wasn't as good um, against Vancouver as it was against St. Louis and Colorado. Like if that doesn't work, then you have to scramble and readjust. What I what I do think is interesting is maybe conventional wisdom isn't so. Like, maybe it needs to be shaken up. Like, maybe you should be able to play two guys who can move the puck and, and skate together, like, and and play them with offensive players. Maybe it can work. Maybe it's just, you know what I mean? Like, maybe there's these things we thought shouldn't happen and shouldn't be done, and maybe maybe hockey's wrong about them. I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah, so what's in it? Like, you, you think, like, the handedness is the thing that should get shaken up? I don't know. I, 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 I do think I am curious about... Um, if Riley Muzzin actually could work, um, because those are your two best defensemen, 
Um, and they, they got like seven games together and it was fine. Like it wasn't, I just think they should have given that a longer leash. I guess the question is if you put those two guys together, what does the rest of your D look like? So conceivably your second pair would be Dermot Barry. And I imagine you'd call up Sandine and have Sandine CC something like that. Or I'm not mentioning Hall. I forgot Hall. So maybe it's Dermot Hall. No, then your, your handedness is all screwed up. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Yeah, don't forget Hall. You need Hall. Well, that, that's well, so the, that's thing. the like, last they got, thing. They got three lefties. They got three righties, and I like a lot of people blame Babcock for not giving Riley and Muzzin more time to play together. I think the players didn't like it. I think those two players didn't. They they weren't comfortable with it being. You know, I don't. I don't think Muzzin wants to play the right side. Well, he and didn't. I don't think. I don't think Riley wants to play the right side. So yeah, that could be true. Yeah, I don't like. You know, if they don't feel like they can do it, it's not an option. I know Dermot feels like he can play the right side, but I don't know if I'm, if Dermot's ready to, to move up into the top four yet. I still want to see more of him on the third pair and how he does. Yeah, well, and that, and that brings just to the last thing we'll do quickly. It's insane that, that Justin Hall is playing on their shutdown pair right now, just from where he's been. I just, like, it, it, it kind of boggles the mind that this is what's happened. And I just got to wondering, like, what would have happened if they had played him more last year and, and maybe found out yeah, no what shit. he is. Yeah, like, and, <laughs> and maybe it changes your summer completely. Well, they had to see, they had Ojeganov had to play 60 games so they could see what, you know, how he could play 14 minutes a game and do nothing. That's that's what they had to do instead. Well, this is one of the things I like that I've heard from Sheldon Keefe is he's just like, we just need to try stuff and we need to see who can play. And that was his rationale for not playing Goche all of a sudden was like he said, like, we just need to see some different guys and see what we have. And and that was always the, the argument that we would make against Babcock from time to time is like, just see what, just kind of throw shit at the wall and see what happens. So play Nick Patan a bit, see if he's a player. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. Play these guys and play different lines, play... Just try things and see what sticks. And I think that is one of the refreshing changes with Sheldon Keefe is he's just playing around more and seeing what he has. And it's not stopping them from winning games so far. Yeah, like I liked what he said about Goche, where it was kind of like, we know what Goche is. Like he said it in a really nice way, but it's like, yeah. We know what Goche is. We know what he can do. We want to see what some of these other guys are and what they can do. And they've got the – there's a window here right now with Janssen out for who knows how long with the, the leg the leg injury. As soon as he's off LTIR and, and Trevor Moore and Janssen come back, they're going to be down to a really short roster. So if they want to see if Nick, Nick Patan can do something or Angval or whatever, now it's the time to see what they can do. And that's what, and you know, Goat's not going to all of a sudden surprise you and be something more than what he is. He's always going to be what he is, and he's not going anywhere, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting, though, if they got to put guys on waivers and stuff, if, if Goat Chase survives or not. Because I've said this on the podcast before, but other teams would probably claim Goat Chase because they, they like what he brings. Well, and they don't have, like, well, I guess they they can they can play other guys at center. They're not... They're just not super deep. Um, the other thing it, that I think is interesting, I don't think, I don't know how much longer this Pontus Aberg thing happens. Yeah, well, it's interesting that they, that's who they decided to put on that line. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. I, I would imagine maybe he'll score twice in Calgary, but I think they're going to have to try something different there. But we'll see. He didn't like you how he go. played in Vancouver. He didn't like how he played in Vancouver there. I just don't know that he. I don't know that he's quick enough. Mm. I don't know. Well, they said that they felt like he was like a little bit nervous and stuff in the St. Louis game and. I mean, I didn't notice him a lot in the Vancouver game, really. Like, he wasn't really a factor. Yeah, he played so, 12 and a half minutes, one shot. Yeah. I would give anyway. it a little bit... I would give it a little bit longer, just because I'm not... I mean, who do you put there? Do you put, like, Angwall there or something? That's a possibility. I mean, I guess when Trevor Moore gets he back, looks good. it gives you more options. Yeah, Angwall looks good. Uh, you could try... You can't Mikheyev, you could I guess try... you could put there... I think Mikheyev would be interesting there. You know, you and I were talking that maybe they should put Hyman back there just because, like, that, that yeah. kind of different element helped that line out a little bit with puck retrievals and things like that. And, you know, Ingvall's got a little bit of that, so maybe that would be interesting. And I think Ingvall's looked really, really good in, in his limited minutes. Like, he's just... He's he's impacting the play every time he's on the ice, and that's what I don't see from, from Aberg so far. Well, and so what we know is... Keith will try things like that that I think we can be pretty sure of um you got to get well to yeah I'm skate. on my way to the skate so we'll go see if he's trying things today okay so we'll talk next week when you're home in Toronto rested you've had your door dash you're, you're good to go <laughs> yeah thank yeah, you James door dash all right see you Jonas Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.